Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include 50 basis point Fed rate increases, an interview with Chuck DiMaselli, EVP of Secondary Marketing at TMS on what capital markets folks spend their days doing, and the available refinance population with rates on the rise. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, TMS. TMS is a top 10 subservicer with a 98% customer satisfaction rate. TMS is on a mission to grow happiness and does business a different way and does it well. They deliver next-level service with their award-winning proprietary technology, SIMI. SIMI stands for Servicing Intelligence Made Easy. It gives lenders a 360-degree, 24-7, 365, on-demand portfolio view with access to live data, recorded borrower calls, delinquency solutions, and much more. Investors anxious about potential interest rate increases by the Federal Reserve have sold stocks and bonds in recent weeks. Well, interest rate futures markets indicated investors are betting on four to five rate increases this year, up from three to four a while back. Some analysts are even bracing for a 50 basis point rate increase in March, a move that would help impress upon markets that the Fed is serious about trying to rein in the surge in inflation. Last week closed with markets trading risk off and Treasury yields fell as a result though we likely won't see lenders reducing rate sheets anytime soon. I know that this commentary focuses on mortgages, but stocks fell, capping the worst week since the outbreak of the pandemic. Amid shaky company earnings, prospects for higher U.S. interest rates, and tensions ramping between Russia and the U.S. Demand for safe havens pushed the 10-year Treasury yield down more than 10 basis points over the last three trading days, putting the yield lower on the week for the first time in five weeks. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the podcast, Chuck DiMaselli, EVP of Secondary Marketing at The Money Source, to talk about what someone running a capital markets department spends their day doing. All right, you made it. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Can you hear That's me? good. Yeah, I can. I thought we were going to have to do it on the phone, which would have sounded like a, like a Howard Stern radio interview. You ever called into a radio show before? Not on purpose. <laughs> um, you have got a very smooth, we have some kind of special microphone with like a boom and all that other stuff. You have such a smooth uh, radio voice going on over there. I got a full sound editing crew in the background. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. This is, I, I tell girls if they want to go on a date with me, I just send them an audio recording and I don't show them any photos. And so they're, there you <laughs> go. That's, <laughs> that's good advice. Actually, one time when I was, probably was like 12 or 13 i pulled an all-nighter with some buddies at a sleepover and uh, we kept calling the local alternative radio station that played like nirvana and incubus or whatever and we kept at we kept requesting nwa yeah and at like 2 a.m the disc jockey was finally like fine i'll play so they played n-words with attitude at two in the morning on the bay area live 105 (laughs) alternative radios the highlight of my childhood I actually went and saw those guys in Houston back in like late '80s, but you know they had Chuck D, so you know I had to I had to follow them. Were you ever Chuck D for Halloween? No, I was all well, not that Chuck D. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's do this interview. You all right, you gonna cut me off if we start running over? Well, you like to hear the sound of your own voice that much. No, I don't. That's why I'm, you know, this is painful for me. So Well, good. Keep it keep it short and sweet then. How'd you first get into the mortgage business? 
it's a long story, but I'm going to make it short. I was uh, graduated in accounting degree and got my CPA. And then the guy that I went to school with was in the, uh, actually in the bond business. And he was making a ton of money and having a great time. And I was uh, working 60, 80 hours a week doing audits and uh, decided to make the move into the bond business. And then um, did that for 10 years or so. And then when I moved to California, ended up back in the accounting business until I got a call from uh, a guy in the mortgage business that got my name from someone that was in the bond business and said, Hey, this is what a secondary marketing guy does. Uh, I'd like to run secondary for this mortgage company. And I jumped on that. And um, that was 2004. So ever since then, I've been in the, on the capital markets, uh, secondary marketing side of mortgage banking. Still working 60 to 80 hours a week, yeah? No, no not as much anymore. It depends. It comes and goes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's usually fun when it's 60 to 80. It's, 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 it's less fun these days when you get these, uh, these little valleys in uh, production and then you're, you're back to the, to the grind and, and spending a lot of time on things that are, uh, but you would rather not. You worried about that for 2022? Uh, rates seem to be rising. People are worried about uh, margin compression, volumes going down. You know, somewhat worried. I mean, uh, it's been, everybody has painted a gloomy picture for this business. It seems every year for the past um, five to seven years that, you know, this is going to be the year that business falls off. So I don't know if I'm just an eternal optimist or a, uh, or just uh, weary of the, of the predictions. You mentioned people in the business making predictions over the last several years and it being doom and gloom. How would you actually explain bond trading or mortgage-backed security trading to someone not in the business? If uh, just anyone that's just green out of the business, you know, if you think about um, stocks, you know, or, or equity in a company. So people put a value on stocks based on the future value of the company and the bond side is really the debt. So if you're talking corporate bonds, you know, it's basically taking a bet on, um, on performance. Uh, And then mortgage backed securities or asset backed securities are really no different. I mean, it's a, it's a fixed income that, you know, you, you want to, that's what you're into and you got to measure that risk. And, uh, and how long those payment streams are going to be. So things that affect the pricing are, of course, you know, interest rates that you basically have to compete with. So if, if, if you want to earn 2% at the, at the bank or 3%, something a little riskier, you know, you take that, uh, that chance. But on the mortgage back side, similar with the asset backs, your most consumer debt ends up getting packaged because nobody really wants to carry the, the full risk of every borrower. This is a really effective way of spreading that risk around to where, you know, you could invest a couple of thousand dollars and basically have default risk spread out between thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of borrowers. That's a good explanation. Most of the people listening to this don't know that you were a former boss of mine 
And when I was at TMS, you didn't really have to do much because I just took care of everything for you. Now that I'm gone, what do you spend your days doing for TMS? All the all those hard projects that you used to work on. <laughs> now, um, so yes, Robbie worked with me. I don't know if I was ever his boss, but uh, you know, we we worked together hand in hand. Um, you know, I'm lucky I've got uh, a good team of um, people uh, in my department that uh, handle the front end pricing and the uh, locking and and then the selling and the hedging. So most of if the as far as uh, you know the fifty thousand foot level of the department from a loan officer or from an operations person in the mortgage business that that doesn't quite have a clear picture. You know, we take the market rates that we pull every morning from various sources, and then we build a rate sheet based on that. And then when the borrowers and loan officers start locking their loans, we have to manage that interest rate risk because prices change from day to day. So we basically sell those, uh, we sell securities, mortgage-backed securities that move along with the price of those uh uh, of the uh, locked loans. So two, three parts, you know, generating that rate sheet, pricing, taking in the locks, hedging the piece, and then I guess it's four pieces, and then selling the loans or pooling the loans at the end of the day. So my day is spent more or less keeping an eye on um, on those movements and uh, making sure that uh, things are, are on track and start us time on strategic initiatives, you know, whether it's a new type of a program or some new technology or new, new borrowers type of borrower. So it's, it's probably less day to day than it ever has been, but more uh, putting out fires and making sure that things are, are on the right track. Not to sound too cynical here, but a, a lot of people that work in this industry on the sales side, think that they know capital markets or capital markets expert or uh, you know the the rate sheet should be something else whatever it might be what do you think loan officers should know about the MBS market you know the the broader factors that move rates up and down it's been a long time since I've found a come across a real know-it-all producing loan officer um, you know it's one of those kind of things where my job is to manage risk. I don't make any extra money based on my bond predictions. And, you know, the old saying that's been around for forever is, you know, when somebody asks a capital market guy, what, uh, you know, what do you think, you know, what do you think rates are going to do over the next X months? You know, the typical response is, Hey, if I, if I had that crystal ball, I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So kind of roll that off to the loan officers. If you're, if you have the skills to sit down with you know, a borrower at the table, close the deal, get the rate lock, if you're good at that, God bless you. And I think that that's where you need to stay focused. I mean, that's not what I could do. It's different sales and uh, you know, different areas have different skills. So for the typical loan officer, they just need to understand that, hey, if inflation is on the horizon, rates are going to go up. If you know the economy is chugging along and and no 
real uh, crisis out there or things, then rates should be stable. So I think that's probably the the extent. You know, you know, good good job numbers is not good for interest rates. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what what you would you would think. But uh, I, I think understanding that uh, there's not a whole lot that anybody can do to move the rates around on a daily basis. Just stay uh, focused on getting the right product for the right borrower that qualifies and locking them as soon as possible. Because I guess the only reason you would want to keep a really close eye is if it's a competitive landscape and your borrower might pull the lock and go someplace else if rates get better. But uh, that's, I guess that's just part of the sales process is managing those expectations. That's all great advice. And I do like to tell people one in the hand is better than two in the bush when it comes to rate locks. And when people ask me for rate predictions, I say, well, if I knew where rates were going, I'd be on a tropical island right now and not talking to you. And uh, it's also good for the sales staff to know that you're not the one making extra money by, by uh, raising rates here. You're just man- you're managing risk. And right. uh, so I think that's all very valuable stuff. Cool. Thanks for coming on and talking to me. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was good catching up, Robbie. Good luck with everything. And uh... I'll talk to you again soon. Data on Friday showed the index of leading economic indicators rose 0.8% in December, as expected. The index ended 2021 on a rising trajectory, suggesting the economy will continue to expand well into the spring. However, there are plenty of risks in the global economy, including the aforementioned geopolitical events, the Fed being behind the curve when it comes to fighting inflation, headwinds from the Omicron variant, labor shortages, and inflationary pressures, which may moderate economic growth. The conference board forecasts U.S. GDP growth for the first quarter of this year to slow to a relatively healthy 2.2% annualized rate, while still expanding by a robust 3.5% for the entirety of 2022, well above the pre-pandemic growth levels. We saw on Thursday that Freddie Mac's backward-looking primary mortgage market survey showed the average 30-year rate at 3.56%, which has slashed the refinance candidate population nearly in half from about 11 million at the start of the year to just under 6 million currently, per Black Knight. Rising interest rates also impact home affordability, homebuyer purchasing power, and potentially real estate supply and demand. 30-year fixed mortgage rates are closer to 3.75%, which means we are a long way from the high of nearly 20 million candidates in late 2020. We are now looking at a significantly smaller population, if all were to refinance, They'd still benefit from an aggregate monthly savings of nearly $1.6 billion, or about $275 a month per borrower. There are still over a million candidates remaining who could save at least $400 a month, but the clock is ticking. In Federal Reserve tapering news, after purchasing $3.5 billion average per day last week, compared with originator supply of $5.8 billion, the New York Fed's desk is set to purchase a similar amount this week before a new purchase schedule covering the January 31st to February 11th period is released Friday afternoon. There is a chance we could be seeing the end of QE after this week's FOMC decision. Since the restart of asset purchases in March 2020, the desk has purchased over $2.8 trillion of mortgage-backed securities. Today, the desk will purchase up to $3.8 billion of 30 or 2% and 2.5% across UMBS and Gini 2s. We begin the week with agency MBS prices better by an eighth and the 10-year yielding 1.72 after closing last week at 1.75% after the Chicago Fed National Activity Index for December came in down 0.15.
Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. When my teenage son worked part-time in a hardware store, a man came in to buy hooks for hanging plants. But there were only two hooks left in the gold color that he needed. My son, trying to be helpful, suggested, could you maybe use the silver or the white instead? The customer scrutinized him and said, you're not married, are you? (laughs) Thanks again to today's sponsor, TMS. TMS Subservicing is a top 10 subservicer. As a former originator for years, TMS has the insight that's served them well in providing the customer service they're known for, the technology they've developed, and the products they've created. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.